Hello and welcome to Knowledge Engage, the podcast of the University of Nottingham's Institute for Policy and Engagement. The Knowledge Engage podcast is an opportunity to explore with researchers the work they're doing and how it is making a difference in the world around them. I'm Stephen Meek, Director of the Institute, and on this episode we'll be looking at the University of Nottingham's new Diversity Research Hub. The hub aims to bring together in one place the wide range of research across the university looking into issues of equality, diversity and inclusion to act as a resource for academics and for others. And I'm delighted to welcome to our first podcast, Louise Mullaney, who's Professor in Sociolinguistics here at the University of Nottingham and whose brainchild the hub is. She's an expert in communication in professional and business contexts and explores how language used impacts on issues of equality, diversity and inclusion and how the use of linguistics and sociolinguistic analysis can bring positive change. We talk in particular about the work she did with Nottinghamshire Police and with Nottingham Women's Resources Centre to define misogyny as a hate crime in Nottinghamshire, which has fed directly into the recent Law Commission review of hate crime. So welcome, Louise. Thank you, Stephen. It's good to be here with you. Um, I wonder if I could ask you to begin by introducing the Research Hub. What lies behind its creation and what is it that you hope it will achieve? Two years ago, I had a conversation with our then newly um, invoked PVC, Sarah Sharples, who'd just been appointed for the university. And we were discussing about how the University of Nottingham has a lot of fantastic researchers working on diversity and inclusion issues. But quite often we are siloed in our own particular faculties or within our own particular research groups. And we wanted to come up with a location where we could all um, interact with one another, where we could develop networks, where we could all become aware of one another's research with a view to then going forward and putting in joint interdisciplinary research grants, but also creating opportunities for knowledge exchange and impact activities that we might not ordinarily get were we just in our own faculties. So we wanted to have a primary focus on something that was applied based in terms of our research. So something that's data driven, empirically based. Um, It can include research, research evaluations, consultancies, also research informed teaching and training with a real emphasis on knowledge exchange, impact and public engagement that comes out of those activities Mm -hmm. that we would engage in. And Why is it, do you think, that this sort of um, initiative hasn't happened before? I think it's partly because um, I think that research grant councils have moved now into um, an area where they really want this kind of interdisciplinary research. And I think as researchers, we've all seen the benefits of looking outside of our own particular box and our own comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a real appetite for it. We can see the difference that it makes when we work together, particularly, I think, around diversity and inclusion. I think topics such as um, gender, gender studies, gender identity, race, ethnicity have always been interdisciplinary topics. And when you research those topics, you're much stronger if you bring together expertise from a range of different disciplines and you can come at it from a really informed perspective and bring new and nuanced ideas to the table. I wondered if you could say anything about how the hub and and the approaches in the hub have been informed by your uh, research and practice. So 
the misogyny hate crime project which you you mentioned at the beginning uh, very much lies behind um one of the areas where i really wanted to start up something bigger because with that project, I worked with um, Dr. Loretta Trickett at Nottingham Law School at, at Nottingham Trent University, uh, along with the stakeholders that you've mentioned already, the Women's Centre, the police. And that, to me, brought home a really strong sense of how much more you get when you work collaboratively, both with stakeholders, but also with researchers outside of your discipline. And the ability to be able to um, look at crime and criminology in more detail than I ever had before and to bring linguistic expertise to bear on the research, I think, gave us a really interesting and innovative take mm -hmm. on the research evaluation that we were producing for Nottinghamshire Police at that particular time. Um, I've also worked extensively with a range of different businesses and organisations um, during my time in Nottingham. So I've been at University of Nottingham since 2003 and I've worked with significant number of, of institutions on a range of different projects relating to equality, diversity and inclusion, whether it's in, in healthcare via NHS or small, medium-sized enterprises through to larger multinationals. And one area of research that I'm really interested in at the moment is around career, um, around recruitment and also how people get recognised during their career. So the ability to be able to get into those higher positions of power. And I think all of these different research interests brought together in terms of being really um, involved in interesting workplaces themselves made the hub seem like a natu natural progression mm. of that area of, uh, of development. And there must be all sorts of interesting lessons um, from that work with uh, business and other organisations for how universities approach uh, those kinds of issues as well, which um, I'll resist the temptation to ask you about now. Um, so I wonder if we could look at a couple of areas that the EDI Hub will focus on. I mean, you mentioned the misogyny as a hate crime. How, how will it work for that? So what it enables us to do is to work in collaboration um, with your team much more closely than we would have done before, um, which gives us access to the stakeholders that we want to get our research to much more quickly and hopefully bringing around the change that we want. So we've been quite successful over the last year or two with the help of, of Chris Sims and your team um, to get the research disseminated quickly to MPs. Um, we've managed to get it into two different bills in the Houses of Parliament now. The Law Commission review on hate crime was published in December. So although the change hasn't been made yet, we've got everything crossed that imminently the results will be announced. And the consultation that the Law Commission um, did and published back in September has said that they are going to uh, recommend introducing gender or sex as a hate crime. So they're not going to use the term misogyny, which was actually one of the findings that came out of our research. The fact that the general public find misogyny a concept very difficult to understand mm -hmm. and interpret. It's too elitist, it's too academic. Our research also found that police forces and police officers themselves were struggling to define it, struggling to explain it to one another, and also struggling to explain it to members of the public. So by taking a different approach and going for sex or gender instead, which is a much more commonly understood term, the idea behind the Law Commission's um, verdict on this is that it will be much more easier to understand for the general public. People will know what it means and therefore the, the full implementation of the change in the law can be felt across society. Yeah no I mean it's a it's extraordinary the impact that that work that you did has had and the way it is well hopefully will be shaping the law in this place. I think it's also very interesting hearing about the fact that you're as it were you're prepared to lose the word because that is what the research tells you you need to do. 
rather than sticking with the sticking with the label. So I perhaps then the another area I know that the hub will look at is the STEM Change Initiative. Perhaps you could say a bit about that. Yeah, so this is a interdisciplinary research project that's funded by the EPSRC and it involves a team of researchers across the university, so a genuine interdisciplinary cross-faculty approach. It's headed up by Sam Kingman, who's the PI, who's also the university's PVC for engineering. Um, What we've done as the research element of STEM change is to look at the language of exclusion and we've spent time building large databases of recruitment language, both university recruitment language, but also within industry as well. We've analysed that for patterns of exclusion and unconscious bias. And we've then worked with the organisations who've given us their data to rewrite their advertisements, to make them more inclusive, to get the pool that, of applicants that um, the adverts appeal to much broader. And then we see it through to to the end of the process. So look at what happens um, during shortlisting, look at what happens during interview and then monitor um, through what we've called a data visualisation tool who's actually appointed at the end of it. So it's a very long term project. Um, We were given the funding for two and a half years, but we're hoping that that will then resonate through our own university and through the the industries and the other university partners that we've worked with for a very long time. So there are a series of recommendations that we've put in place, basically how to improve how organisations recruit. And are there any sort of uh, examples of how of how how language works in practice to exclude? I mean, one of the there are many different ones that that we could use. I mean, pronoun usage is is quite an obvious one. Um, We've also got the fact of how you refer to diversity and inclusion within advertisements. So traditionally, there's been a one line that appears right at the very end of an advert, which is something along the lines of we are an equal opportunities employer. Or it might mention Athena Swan and what kind of uh, gold, silver or bronze award you've got there mentioned at the end which is quite tokenistic so what we advise on the rewrites is to thread diversity and inclusion through the advertisement itself and to explicitly mention the fact that you were committed to this if you're serious about wanting a diverse workforce and when we're working with industry and and with policymakers as well we kind of emphasize the point that this is a benefit to everybody diverse teams are more productive they're more economically productive you get greater staff retention the benefits are huge and they're really significant so so we're not claiming that language can change everything. Obviously, there are pipeline issues that need to come into mm. play. But what we are saying is that language can make a difference and it can make an observable difference that we have the um, the research evidence for in terms of how it can shift and change who you shortlist and who you then end up appointing as a consequence of, of what you do in that initial drafting stage. And kind of our aim is to get rid of cut and paste culture which yeah. is so common, you know, across workplaces, you know, we all do it, but it needs to yeah. stop. And there needs to be a yeah. point where we go, actually, who do we really want to recruit for this role? And how can we attract those kind of applicants to this particular position? Yes. Now, I remember from my sort of experience recruiting in different organisations that there would always be that sort of question. You know, are you committed to equality, diversity and inclusion to which, you know, what, what you were filtering out was kind of people who knew it mattered to people who didn't know it mattered rather than people who embody these principles in the way um, they worked you know I mean who would answer no to that question and still expect to be appointed it's crazy yeah 
Um, and so what are your priorities um, for the, the the coming year in terms of developing the hub? What should people look out for? And and, and I think importantly as well, how, how are you looking for both researchers within the university and people outside to make use of the hub? In the next 12 months, obviously, COVID we haven't mentioned yet, but this is going to be um, a significant part of, of research that's coming out of the institution. In STEM change in the EPSRC project, we um, changed direction halfway through last year and redirected our efforts towards looking at the impact that COVID has had on diversity and inclusion issues. We've focused this for the moment on the workforce of technicians, and we've got a report that's going to be on its way out um, in the middle of February on this, where we've looked at the impact that it's had on technicians' working lives, right from those that have been furloughed through to mm -hmm. those that are at the cutting edge you know, of COVID-based lab research. Um, We've also got other researchers looking at COVID discrimination within universities and in, in broader societies. Um, we've got a project that um, myself, Lucy Jones and our researcher, Victoria Howard, are doing at the moment, which has been funded by the um, QR money that's come into the university through Research England, which has, has come through the Institute as well, which is looking at Generation Z and how they've been excluded from mm. a lot of COVID campaigns, particularly around domestic violence and gender-based violence um, in the home. So there are other researchers as well working across the institution who are looking at the impact of COVID, which we've pulled together through some of the STEM change funding as well. So one of the aims that the hub will achieve in the summer is we're going to publish a report of active research projects, COVID related and other mm -hmm. projects that have, have taken place um, under the STEM change funding. We had a set of feasibility studies. The hub has also funded a number of research projects over the last 12 months to showcase what's been going on at the University of Nottingham that would be of interest to policymakers and also on a broader kind of impact and public engagement agenda as well. Are there any sort of examples of how you might use um, the hub and the, 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 the data on the hub with external partners? I think one of the good examples to illustrate this would be to think about the calls that come through from the all party parliamentary groups, for example. So one illustration of this that's active at the moment is a recent call that went out on diversity and inclusion in STEM where they're looking for research-based evidence from universities to look at a range of issues. And fortuitously enough, this includes recruitment and it also includes COVID research, which is great for, for us and for the University of Nottingham at this particular moment in time, because we've got a lot that we can mm. feed into this process. But also looking out for calls for evidence from a range of different select committees as well. So the Institute is really great for us um, to work in collaboration with members of the hub to circulate these around, to make people aware of them. There are always calls for evidence coming about. You know, there are always things that are being advertised where we know we have expertise within the university and by the institute and the hub working together collaboratively what we aim to do is to be able to put these in front of people much more quickly and, and more effectively than we've ever done before yeah. to enable you know a lot of them have very tight turnaround don't they and we've got to kind of get everything together really quickly so we want to be you know poised that we can do this you know from a position of strength where we've got a lot of the information already available and we can then feed it into to the yeah. right people at the right time That's OK, so, Louise, I just want to thank you very much um, for being uh, our, our guest on our first uh, podcast. Um, I wonder if you 
would like just to let people know where they can um, find out more about or find the hub. Yeah, so there's a website that's going to be launching on the Institute's pages very shortly, which gives um, a range of detailed examples of how you can get involved. Um, some illustrative research projects will also be up on there as well with full contact details. Um, so if you are interested in finding out more, please visit the site. Um, we can direct people to it. I think if you put it into Google and put Institute of Policy and Engagement University of Nottingham, you'll be able to find it from there. And we look forward to hearing from you on that. Thank you for listening to the Knowledge Engaged podcast. You can find out more about the issues discussed, the Institute and about Louis's work on our website. You'll find a link in the description to this episode.